Psalms 27 says there in verse 8, it says, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Lord, I will seek you. God said we're to seek after him. He wants us to seek after him. He wants us to, to get dug in. He wants us to be serious about him. Not, not just, you know, you know, where we just, you know, say that we want something or say that we want a, an answer from God, but then don't do anything to make sure that we get the results. You know, with, with God, we got to, if we say that we want a, a move of God in our lives, we got to be determined to make sure that we see that move of God in our lives. How bad do you want it? Are we determined enough to do whatever we need to do to make sure that we get the results? Because that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. How bad do you want it? Are you willing to do what it takes in order to see the result? If you're a, a husband, are you willing to be wrong in order to keep your marriage? Or a wife, are you willing to be wrong in order to maintain your marriage or your relationships? Are you willing to be wrong? Are you willing to be wronged? Sometimes it takes us that way in, in, in relationships and in life, in order for us to see the victory, we sometimes have to allow ourselves to be wrong. Yes. I think sometimes we get to a place where, you know, we just don't want to be wrong. Yeah. And, you know, for the sake of us, us being, or, or showing the white flag, or for the sake of us just saying, you know what, this is not worth where this is going, we, we keep fighting a, a, a losing battle just to be right. It's not all about just being right, amen? Yeah. Because, you know, just wanting to be right has caused the, the, the destruction of more families and the destruction of more lives uh, than, than you could believe. Just this, this stubbornness of wanting to be right. You know, we don't always have to be right in order to be right, if you know what I'm saying. That sounds wrong, but it's actually right. We don't always have to be right to be right. Sometimes allowing ourselves to be wrong is actually more right than wrong. That'll dawn on you in the afternoon. How bad do we want it? Do we want it bad enough to allow ourselves to be wronged to be right? How bad do we want it? Are we willing to put in the work? Are we willing to put in the time? Are we willing to put in the effort in order for us to make sure that we see what God has promised us? Because that's what we're that's what we're striving for to see the things that God promised us. Or in life. How bad do you want it? We talked in, in week one about, about me not wanting to see you two that bad. But I wanted to see someone else bad, bad enough that I, I, I did get there three or four hours early for the tickets. But it all depends on how bad you want it. If you want it bad enough, don't stroll down at one o'clock because they will be all gone. Amen? How bad do you want it? I told you a story in week one too about this, this uh, um, um, special karaoke CD that I ordered for Angela's dad. Now, that was three weeks ago, and it was already ordered maybe four weeks before that. But we talked about how, you know, when, when he asked me about it, how we went online, we went onto eBay, and we put in this, this exact CD or, or, or karaoke CD that he wanted, and, and we, we saw that it was available, it existed. We saw that it, it was available by a, a manufacturer in Australia, uh, and we saw the price that they were looking for to pay, and we saw the shipping price on that. And we agreed to all of that. It, 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 it physically existed. There was a price to be paid for. We paid it. And, and now in the meantime, we wait for it. And you know, update still hasn't come. But you know what? He, he asked Angela about it last week. Has it come yet? But you know what? We can assure him that it will come. We just need to be patient. It's on its way. We know it exists. When you pray and when you ask God for something that you know that God has promised you, are you 100% confident that, 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 that it's going to come? Or are you just thinking to yourself that, you know what, it might come and it might not? You know, I would never have ordered this CD for my father-in-law if I didn't think that it had come. Yeah. 
I never would have invested my time in looking for it or my money in buying it unless I was 100% confident that it would come. You know, there's this great thing on eBay that if you're ever ordering something for someone, from someone on eBay, I don't do it a lot, I don't like it, but when I do do it, I order, always look over in the top right-hand corner, there's a little bit of feedback in the top right-hand corner from people who've purchased off this retailer in the past, and if, the, if it's up to 99 or 100%, it means that everyone who's ordered off in the past has come back and said they got what they ordered. But I would never order off someone on eBay if I looked in the top right-hand corner for the feedback and saw it was at 50%. When you order off God, as it were, do you order off God believing that God has a feedback of 100% or God's feedback is less than 20 I believe that when we order off God, if you look at the feedback that God has for the answer and for His prayers that we pray, it's 100%. It really is. It really is. And it's with confidence then when you see someone has 100%, it's with confidence. That confidence that, that causes you to invest in, in God. Because if we ask anything according to His will, He says yes. He's 100%. Amen. How bad do we want it? Do we want it bad enough that we're willing to do whatever it takes? Both of us have friends that, that found it hard to have kids. My friend, that, that I actually worked with a husband and a wife for, for years, a great couple, but they got married around the same time as Angela and I got married, but they just found it absolutely impossible to have kids. Everyone all around them that got married at the same time, they started their families after a couple of years of getting married, and, and here they were, four, five, six, seven, eight years into their marriage, trying to have kids and, no, and nothing happened. They were left with three choices. The first one was give up. The second choice that they were left with was adoption. And the third one was go through fertility treatment. Now they went and got all the tests and they, and they were perfect for fertility treatment but because they, they looked and they saw that the first option wasn't for them. They were, they were not willing to go through life without having a family. They really wanted a family. I know other couples that haven't got kids. I know a lot of other couples that have been married for decades with no kids. And, and, and simply because they were in the same boat, there was an issue there somewhere. But th these other couples that I know did not want kids bad enough to go through the things that you need to go through to sometimes if you can't have kids. My friends, they, they went through the fertility treatment. They were going through it for years. Thousands of euros they put into the fertility treatment. Years they were in there, nothing was happening. They went through disappointment after disappointment after disappointment until one day, probably five or six, maybe seven years into their fertility treatment, bingo. She got pregnant. She had her first child. Followed a couple of years later by their second child. How bad did they want it? They wanted it bad enough that they were willing to put their money on the line they were willing to go through all the disappointments. They were willing to go through all the invasive fertility treatment in order for them to have a baby. Today they have two. They have two kids, boy and a girl. And they're over the moon about it. Angela has a friend who, who were in the very same boat. Couldn't have kids. They were left with the same choices too. Give up, adoption, or fertility treatment. Giving up for them also wasn't a choice. They were absolutely determined that they were going to have a child. So they didn't go to fertility treatment. They went the other way. They went and, and they adopted. But as, if you know anything about adoption, adoption in Ireland is, is virtually non-existent. Virtually non-existent. There's probably a waiting list there that would see you over the age of adoption before you got to the top of it. 
So they had to go abroad. And when they went abroad, I mean they went abroad abroad. They didn't go to England or they didn't go to any other European country. They went way off abroad. And way off abroad that they went led them through some hoops that they never thought they'd have to jump through in order to adopt a child. I mean, the country that they went to had no shortage of children that were in, a, a, in a orphanages. But the fact of the matter, they realized that you know, these kids were now an asset and they could make money on them. So in order for her to have her child, herself and her husband, they had to, they had to do a lot of bribing. They had to go visit this country. They had to jump, jump through all the hoops of the country. And at the end of the day, they, they even tried to caught them at the very end of the process. But today, they, they have their child. Because they wanted it bad enough. You know, after the first time that they went and visited these orphanages and they put up a whole list of things that they needed to do and bribes that they needed to pay, they just said, listen, we, we, want it. we want a child. We're willing to run through and jump through the hoops no matter what in order for them to have a child. How bad do we want it? How bad do we want the things from God? Are we willing to bombard God? Are we willing to have the faith and the patience to press into God in order for us to see the thing that God has promised that he would do for us? Matthew chapter 20 says there in verse 29, and it says, And as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. You know, everywhere Jesus went, a multitude followed him. Everywhere he went, a multitude followed him. Why do you think a multitude followed Jesus everywhere he went? Because everybody knew that with Jesus, he, they got results. Yeah. Amen. Amen. People don't gather followings if they're losers. They don't. People don't gather followings just because they're handsome or pretty or, or they have a nice backpack. People follow people that get results, amen? And people follow Jesus because he got results. As they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed Jesus, and behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. These two blind men were sitting beside the road, and they heard Jesus was coming along. And when they heard Jesus was coming along, these, these guys were smart, amen? They, they knew this guy gets results. He, he travels with an entourage. This is the guy that, that, that raised Lazarus from the dead and other people from the dead. This is the guy that has healed other blind people. He's, he's cleansed lepers. This is the guy who, who gets the job done. He, he's, a, he's a guy of results. So when they heard that Jesus was coming up the road, they obviously got someone to lay him beside the road or that's where they were stationed. And, and when Jesus was coming up to him, they started to let shouts out of him. Son of David, they were shouting, have mercy on us. And of course, we all know what happened next. You know, the, the, the people that were traveling with Jesus and all got the, 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 the blind men and they brought them straight to Jesus. No, that, that's not what happened, is it? No. If only. <laughs> if only. Glory to God. It says in verse 31, it says, The multitude warned them that they should be quiet. Do you know when you're standing and believing God for something? When you're trusting and pressing into God for something? Yeah. The multitude will not be there beside you cheering you on. They will not be holding up your arms. They will not be, be wishing you success in a lot of cases. Right. 
If only that was the case. Most times when you're going through some stuff, when you're pressing into God for your breakthrough, most of the time the multitude will be there going, you're wasting your time. A lot of them will be saying, who's God? God, God is irrelevant. God is not. What are you, pre- you know, what are you, do- come on. What age are you? Grow up. They will not be your cheerleaders. And that's what happened this day too. These men were crying out to Jesus. And the multitude that was following Jesus around, they saw the things that he did. Feeding 5,000 of them. Guaranteed there was a few people there with full bellies from Jesus after he feed them on more than one occasion. And they were the ones walking with Jesus. These were the same people who saw Jesus healing people, casting out demons, raising the dead. These were the very multitude that went to these two blind men and said, Stop. Be quiet. Stop disturbing Jesus. They warned them. They didn't just say, hey, listen, please. They warned them. And if someone warns you, it's stern, isn't it? They come to you and they say, hey, listen, if you don't stop doing this, I'm going to do this. And the multitude that saw the great miracles of Jesus that were following him around because people don't follow losers around, they follow results. These very same people were warning these two blind men to be quiet. And that blows my mind. But these two blind men, they, they, they didn't just decide, that, okay, you know, we, we don't want any trouble here. You know, we, we, we rely on these people for our income because they would have been beggars. So they didn't decide, you know what, you know, just in case now these people turn on us and, and, and we don't get any more income, we'll be quiet and, and we'll just walk away. The Word of God says they cried out all the more. Amen. They cried out all the more. Church, when you're going through some stuff, When you're trusting God for a breakthrough, for a healing, or whatever you're trusting God for, don't ever expect a multitude to be on your side, holding up your arms, championing your causes, and dancing a dance in front of you, cheering you on. It's not going to happen. The fact of the matter is that when you're going through all that sort of stuff, the vast majority of people will be thinking to themselves, he has no hope. What's he talking about? Don't ever expect the multitude to be on your side. But what does that need to cause you to do? Does it cause you to recoil and say, Hey, listen, okay, I'm going to go with the multitude. It has to cause us to cry out all the more. It has to cause us to get to a place where we are so determined, Hey, listen, God promised me this. The multitude is not going to rob me of it. This is not the multitude's problem. This is my problem. This is my prayer. This this doesn't affect them. This affects me. This affects me. This affects me. This affects you. How bad do we want it? Do we want it bad enough that when the multitude come to try and hush you up or warn you, that you'll cry out to God all the more? we got to become a people who when the multitude comes against us, that we cry out to God all the more. Saying, Lord, have mercy on us. Son of David. And when we do that, it's not that God doesn't hear you the first time. You know that? I need to get that clear. The second that you pray, God sends the answer. But we got to get God's attention sometimes. And I know that kind of doesn't sound right. But we got to show God that we're not microwavable believers. Amen? 
Now we don't just pop it into the microwave and 30 seconds later it's lukewarm and that'll do. We, we, we do got to show God that we're willing to be persevering. Amen. 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 Stubborn, in a sense. Yes. There's nothing wrong with a bit of stubbornness when it comes to holding on to the promises of God. Amen. Jesus stood still. They, they, they stopped Jesus in his tracks. And said, what do you want me to do for you, Jesus said. And they said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight and they followed Jesus. we got to become a people that when the multitude tried to shut us up, shut us down, tell us that we're irrelevant, tell us that we're, we're accomplishing nothing, we're believing in nothing, he doesn't exist anymore, we got to be the people that cry out all the more. Yes. Amen. Amen. we got to cry out all the more. Yes. we got to be determined to see our breakthrough. Because it's not that God doesn't say yes, but if we, if we don't stick in and stick to it and be determined and stubborn in it, the enemy will come and he'll rob it very quick. Amen. Amen. He'll rob it very quick. doesn't mean that God didn't say yes. But it means that we open the door and allow the enemy to come and rob it. Amen. Amen. We need to be stuck in. We need to be determined that this is what I ask God for. This is what I'm going to see from God. Or could we live without it? Could we live without it? Would it be all right? Sure, it's not that bad. Sometimes we talk ourselves out of our own breakthroughs. We talk ourselves out of our own healings. Because we come to a place that we know, you know, hey, listen, I'm putting my hand up first. Because in every one of us, there's a lazy streak. Every one of us, including you. Every one of us has that lazy streak. Every one of us gets to a point where we ask ourselves, is this worth it or not? Yeah. Is this worth the hassle or not? And, and you know, we, we got to be people who determine that, yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's worth it. It's, it's, this is what I'm asking God for. It's worth it. This is what I'm believing God for. It's worth it. These blind men, they could have got on with their lives quite contently. They were doing okay, in a sense. They were being provided for. Their blindness gave them an income. So if Jesus hadn't have healed them, then they'd have been okay. They'd have just kept on doing what they were doing. But they determined in themselves, no, 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 no. This is what I want. I want to be healed. I want my sight back. I want to be able to see. I want to be able to leave this lifestyle that I have behind me. And I want to walk in the fullness of what God has me to walk in. That's where we need to get. We need to get to a place where we believe that, you know what, if I don't see my breakthrough, if I don't press in for my breakthrough, then I'm not walking in the fullness of everything God wants me to walk in. How bad do we want it? Sometimes we say we want it, but when the pressure comes, our actions prove that we don't want it that bad. So what should we do? What should we do? To get what we need from God. That breakthrough. What do we need to do? We talked last week about the way we approach God in prayer. When we said it was all summed up in the Lord's Prayer. In Luke chapter 11. And, and where Jesus taught us how to pray. But I love what Jesus did right after he gave us this model prayer. Right after Jesus taught us to be persistent. 
It's like Jesus knew that now I've given you the model prayer. I've told you how to pray and how to seek me for the things that you need. Now I need to teach you to be persistent. Because even Jesus knew that even though God says yes, the answer doesn't always come straight away. So he said, I'm going to teach him to be persistent. So he says in verse 5, he says, And then Jesus said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer, this is his friend, will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. You see, a lot of people say that God is the friend who was tucked up in bed in this story. And just in case you don't know, it's not God. That's not the way God operates, amen? The friend is the way a friend in the normal would operate. You know, if someone come and knock on my door at 11 or 12 o'clock tonight and, and I'm in the bed and, and they come looking for, for food, you know, my first reaction will be get lost. And I'm a nice person. And if you come at 5 o'clock in the evening, I would give it to you. But if you came at 11 and I'm already asleep and knocked on my door, I'm, I would be inclined to say get lost. Everything within me would say, you know, where are they going? But if you kept on knocking, if you kept on bugging me and annoying me, to get rid of you, I'd give it to you. And this is the kind of perseverance that we're talking about in this story. A friend's perseverance. But that's not the way God operates. Amen? God doesn't say no when we ask him something according to his word. He says yes. But God is demonstrating to us in this story that if that's what a friend would do for you, if you're persevering, persecuted him as a word if you pressed into him and kept annoying him and, and, and kept knocking on his door if that's what a friend would do for you how much more would God do for you that's what he's trying to say if a, even if a friend who was a lazy friend who didn't want to get out of, your, out of his bed would get up and give you whatever you needed how much more would God give you because God is not lazy amen God's answer to you if you ask him anything according to his promises in his word are yes and amen. Are yes and amen. Verse 9 says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it, it will be opened. I love this. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. I mean, we could close the Bible there and we could say, hey, listen, that's, that's game over. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. I mean, come on, like it's, it's Jesus, it's God. He, he says he, he's the one. Not, not me, because I let you down. You can ask me for some stuff and I'll say, absolutely, I get that for you. And three weeks later, I may not have it. I may have forgotten all about it, but thank God I'm not God. Jesus says, ask, and he says, I will give it to you. 
Jesus is solid. Amen. Ask and it will be given to you. God is not in the business of withholding any good thing from you and me. Amen. Amen. He is in the business of making sure that if we ask according to his word that we get what we ask for. Amen. Ask and it will be given to us. Seek and you will find. Glory to God. You know what the biggest problem with all of us is? We don't seek. We don't. Seek and you will find. This morning as we were getting ready for church, I could only find one boot. I mean, one boot was there. It was under the bed where I had left it from the last time. You're so tidy. So tidy. But I find if you leave it under the bed, then you know where it is next time. And I mean, if one boot is there, the other one should have been there too. I mean, they didn't fall out. I mean, these boots are made for walking, but not on their own. Only if there's a foot in it, and a leg, and a body. But one of them was there. And I got down under the bed, and I looked for the other one, and it wasn't there. Every other thing that I threw underneath the bed was there, but not the other boot. And I mean, we're getting ready for church. So I was thinking, you know what? How long do I spend looking for the boot? And I was just about giving up on it. I had gone for another pair when I was walking back towards the bathroom and, and there was the other boot hiding in behind the corner. <laughs> Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. You know why we don't have a lot of the things that we need in our lives because we're not asking? Yeah, that's right. Do you know why we don't find a lot of the things that God says that we can have in our lives because we're not looking? Yeah. God's not withholding. Mm -hmm. We're not asking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I can't make that any simpler. God's not withholding. We're not asking. Yeah. God's not hiding. We're not looking. Yeah. We're not looking. Amen? Yeah. We need to keep seeking when we don't find a thing immediately. Jesus said, knock and it will be opened to you. I know every one of you has watched films. I love watching films. You know one thing that I notice every time I watch a film? And I noticed it in a film the other week. When someone walks up to a door in the movies and they knock on the door or they ring the doorbell, it's answered within three seconds. Now I don't know about you. When I'm at home, I'm not standing in front of the door waiting for someone to knock it or ring the doorbell. When I'm at home and someone knocks the door or rings the doorbell, they usually have to stand there for a couple of minutes waiting for me to get there. Has nobody ever noticed that? Because the reality of the situation, when you knock a door, it doesn't always open. When you ring a doorbell, they don't always come to the doorbell within five seconds. So the reality is, when we knock on a door, we have to learn how to wait. Have you ever gone to a friend's house, known that they were there in the house? I mean, the car is sitting in the yard, the TV is on. And have you ever knocked on their door and they haven't come to answer the door immediately and you have maybe waited up to five minutes or more? Why did you wait? I mean, the movies would tell us that if they don't come within three seconds that they're not coming. Why did we wait? Do you know why you waited? Because you knew they were in there. Do you know why you waited? You waited because you thought to yourselves they're either in the shower, they're in the toilet, they're maybe in the back 
kitchen doing something with the washing machine. They just can't hear, so I'm going to give them a few minutes. That's why we wait. I think God is teaching us that when we knock on the door, that it, it, it'll be answered. We just got to learn to be patient. We just got to learn that, in, like in real life, the answer doesn't always come straight away. But you know what? They're in there. They heard you. They're coming. They're just not that quick. We got to learn when we knock on any door, when we ring any doorbell, when we seek God for anything, we got to learn patience. We got to learn patience. And what do we do when we knock the door and when, when it's not answered immediately, when we're in this period of where we've asked God for something and we haven't seen the breakthrough straight away? What do we do? We praise God in the hallway. You see, I believe there are so many of us today that are in the hallway. We have knocked the door. We're waiting for the answer. We know that God promised us the answer. We know that, that whatever we've asked God for, He said yes and amen. But we haven't seen it. So while we're waiting, while we're outside of the door that we're waiting for God to open for us, we're praising Him in the hallway. We're saying, I thank you, Lord God, that the first time I prayed, you heard me. And I thank you, Lord God, that you promised me what I've asked you for in your word. And I thank you, Lord God, that when I prayed, you heard me and you said yes. And I thank you, God, that my answer is on the way. And I'm not... Here's what you don't do when you know that there's someone in there and you know that they're on their way. You don't walk away from the door. You don't go, hey, listen, friend, because you took so long, adios. You don't do that. When you see your friend is coming, when you see they're making an effort to come, you'll give them as much time as you can. And I believe when we pray and bring our petitions to God and ask God something according to His Word, and when we knock on that door with God and it doesn't seem to be answered straight away, we wait. We don't throw the toys out of the pram and just say, hey, listen, God, because you didn't answer in the first five minutes, forget about it. We need to become a people who are determined to see the breakthrough from God. Amen? Amen? People that don't give up straight away. Romans chapter 8 and verse 25 says, it says there, it says, but if we hope for what we do not see, Amen. we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Amen. If we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance and patience. We eagerly wait because we know it's on the way. A lot of people have described this generation as the instant generation. And I, I don't like ever saying in my day, because I'm not that old. But in my day, you didn't have to wait for stuff. For one thing or another, maybe your, your parents couldn't afford it straight away or, or whatever, but you waited. Whatever you asked for, you waited. You know, the other day, um, earlier on, should I say, this year, I, I um, was changing my broadband provider at home. And, and I rang up Air, my new broadband provider, and I rang him, I think, on a, on a Monday. And, and I'd done all the agreements over the phone and signed, sealed, delivered, and your one said we'd be in contact with you in the next week about organizing an installation day. I thought, that's fine, it, it, it'll, it'll come within week or ten days. 
30 years ago, my parents ordered a home phone off of Telecom Aaron as it was at the time, or the P&T as it used to be, actually. They ordered it one year, and two years later it came. You see, back in the late 70s, nothing happened early or quick. That's a fact. They ordered it one year, and it was within two years before they came to install the phone. Two years. I ordered air on a Monday. I got a phone call on Monday evening, and it was in the next day. We have become a very instant generation. We expect stuff to come straight away now. We expect if we order stuff off of Amazon or eBay or wherever it is, we expect it within a couple of days. And I believe that's affecting our prayer life. I believe it affects our prayer life. Now, when we pray, we expect God to be like Amazon and promise you two days shipping prime shipping or whatever it is. We expect it immediately. And it's not that God doesn't answer your prayer immediately, but we can't forget that we got an enemy. And he's doing everything in his power to try and steal the answer to our prayer from God. Trying to put us off. And we got to press in. We got to have the patience like my parents had for the wait two years for the phone line to come. We got to have the patience to wait. Sometimes it comes the next day. Sometimes it comes in two years. But we got to have faith and patience knowing it will come. Galatians 6, 9. And it says, And do not... Grow weary while doing good. For in due season you will reap if you do not give up. It says don't get tired doing good. Don't get tired serving God, following after God, believing in God, going to God and shouting after God and trusting Him. Don't get tired doing good. Because God said, and God sets the seasons, he said, in due season. It won't come before it's time. Do you know there's a lot of things that we've asked God for in the past that it's been God's mercy that he didn't give us? Do you know that? There's a lot of things that we've asked outside God's will that because of his wonderful mercy, God didn't answer. Remember that song back in the 90s? Some of God's greatest gifts were unanswered prayers. I'm firmly convinced some of God's greatest gifts has been not answering some of the prayers we've prayed. It says that do not grow weary while doing good for in due season. We will reap if we do not lose heart. You know, when you sow something, it doesn't grow overnight. I would encourage every one of you if all you have is a flower pot at home, plant something in it. Plant a seed in it. Just anything. When it comes to spring next year, just get a flower pot, dig a little bit of hole of uh, dirt in the back, put it into your flower pot, and go and, and get some seeds. Any kind of a seed. And plant it. And water it. And wait. You see, planting plants or seeds is a great test of our patience. You know, maybe what you plant will never become what it was meant to become because of conditions or whatever, but I guarantee if you plant it and you water it, something will grow. But it won't grow overnight. But eventually it will grow. It's a test of our patience. For in due season, we will reap if we do not lose heart. Whatever you're believing for today, whatever you're pressing God in for 
into God for today. Stay the course. Wait out the season. The season is coming when you will get the breakthrough because we serve a God of a breakthrough. Let me give you one more scripture and we're going to close. Numbers chapter 23. It says there in verse 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. He has said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make good? People, we need to go to God with 100% confidence that whatever we ask him for, he'll make good on it. Amen?